eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The loudest, the biggest, the brashest. New York is its own character in every play. The bad thing about New York is the pressure. You're always under pressure. Here are the stories about those plays. It's New York Accent with Damon Amendolaro. Because like I said, we didn't know if that was the right thing to do. And looking back on it, it was, but... In a situation like that, what's right and wrong? I mean, no one had ever been through anything like this. And and you, we, like I said, I mean, there was talk about canceling the rest of the baseball season. Mike Stanton was a vital cog in the Yankees' not-so-secret weapon of the dynasty from 25 years ago, that lockdown, airtight bullpen. You know, the Bombers always had the magnificent Mariano Rivera to turn off the lights, but the arms to get to Mo were sometimes just as important in holding leads or keeping games close. Mike Stanton was one of those hired guns, a veteran who came over to the Yankees in 97 just as the dynasty was about to click into high gear. He was part of three straight World Series titles and was also on the magical 2001 team. Now that squad did not win at all, but might have had more mystical October moments than any of the others. 9-11 stopped the season for more than a week and a half, and when the Yankees got into the playoffs, they stared down an 0-2 hole against the A's. Then came the Jeter flip, the 116-win Mariners, the mighty 1-2 punch of Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling, Scott Brocious' home run, Mr. November, and a country charmed by those heroic Yankees playing for a city that had been gutted just a month earlier. On the 22nd anniversary of 9-11, the story of the fairy tale Yanks that took all of us New Yorkers on a carpet ride that fall. This is Mike Stanton's New York accent. Mike, how you doing? DA, I'm doing well, man. Yeah, just got back last night from Old Timers Day. Uh, was my first time back. It's I can't believe it's taken me so long to get back, but it won't be my last. Had an absolute blast. The Yankees did it the way the Yankees always do it. They did it up right. We didn't actually play a game, which I was a little upset about that. I was looking forward to getting back on the field, <laughs> but just a great on-field ceremony, uh, a great video tribute. Uh, most of the guys were there. It was really cool to catch up with everyone because I haven't seen a lot of them in, I mean, decades. So it's been, uh, it was it was an absolute blast of a weekend, even if the travel really stuck. Is it ever weird to remember when you were playing and then looking at the old-timers that came in for old-timers day and now swapping roles and being like, wow, now I'm the guy that they're looking at as old-timers day? It was weird. Uh, to tell you the truth, I had, that was one of those things that I didn't know how I was going to react. 
Uh, but I'll tell you what, like I said, I hadn't seen those guys in easy 10, some of them even 20 years. But as soon as you got back, we have such a tight camaraderie back then. Uh, we played so well together. We were together so much. We knew each other so well. Five minutes in, man, it was like we were never apart. So it, it was something that um, that I'll cherish for a very long time. Uh, and it was just great to see the guys. It was great to reminisce about the 98 team. Uh, best team to ever walk on the field. You were part of such an interesting corner of New York Yankees history. You played from 97 through 02, and in that run is when you guys made all of those World Series and, you know, winning three consecutive, getting back in 2001. And it was a time where, you know, it was just prior to social media, but you guys had so much scrutiny, so much attention, and so much pressure because you were the Beatles of baseball at that time and doing it in New York where obviously the attention is highest. So when you look back, what are some of the things you take away from being part of that part of Yankees history, which is now still the last time they were truly a multi-year champion and dynasty? Yeah, I, I look at it, it is the last baseball dynasty. I mean, we dynasty, we've had some good teams. Houston Astros right now have are in their golden era era of baseball. Uh, but I mean, to win three world series in four and five years and go to five and six years, uh, was truly, uh, an incredible feat for that team. And we did, did it with, you know, I missed the 96 team. Uh, I actually was on the Texas Rangers who they went through to get that, that title. Uh, but you know, the, the core group of guys that were there, really was, uh, you know, stuck around. Yeah, there was always players that come and go. But it really was a special time. And, you know, when I look back, yeah, I remember games here and there, but it's more the camaraderie. It's more, you know, I used to go to lunch with Scott Brocious and Andy Pettit quite often. And, uh, you know, the first time we, you know, we were all three there, to, it was like, hey, it's the old lunch groups back together. Uh, it, you know, things like that. That's what you really remember. Um, it, it's not so much this, you know, the games itself. Yeah. You remember world series games and maybe a, a game here and there during the regular season, but it, it's, it's more, you know, the friendships that we built. And when you, when you make, when you make a true friend, I mean, in your heart, you love them, they love you, you know, you don't have to spend all the time together. You can, you can spend some time apart, and then when you get back together, it's just like old times. It strikes me that, yes, winning creates bonds, and what you guys accomplish certainly can strengthen bonds, but those Yankees teams always felt to me to be really close, apart from just the winning, that the chemistry was always really good, the knowledge of each other's roles, the respect of the leaders, the respect of the veterans that had been there, it always, it always seemed to us on the outside that, boy, that the Yankees have such a tight group and you don't yeah. hear about any friction or guys talking about one another being maybe about their own ego or something. What, you played in a lot of teams. Was it unique, the chemistry that those Yankees teams had? It was. It was. And, and it wasn't that there weren't any egos. Of course there were egos. It wasn't that we always got along. I mean, you don't put, you know, 30-plus type A personalities in a room every day with competition for nine months and, and get along every single day. But the key to that team was we all had the same common goal, which was when we walked on the field, 
whether I was mad at the guy standing next to me or not, when you walked on the field, we all knew what our job was. And we were going to do whatever it took to win that day. That was, that was you know, our motto that year. And our motto through that run was, we play today, we win today. That was it. That was the motto. And whatever it took for us to win, that's what we, that's what we did. You know, Joe Torrey managed that way. We played that way. Uh, we believe that's that was our job. Our job was not to play baseball. Our job was to win. The Subway Series in 2000 was probably the weakest of the teams that won a World Series in terms of win-loss record where you guys were middle of the season. But then you turned the flip, you switched the, the flip the switch in, in October and buried the Mets in five. Were you guys specifically honed in on this one we've got to win even if it's not our best selves because it's a subway series well you know you're really not ranking you know when you're playing you're really not ranking yourself to to previous years or anything like that you're just you're worried about job at hand and uh we didn't think it really was i don't want to say we didn't think it was a big deal because we all knew it was a subway series we knew how big this was going to be for the, the the city and and just for baseball in general but there were a few statements made by the Mets. I remember one, uh, I think it was Benny Agbayani actually called us old or over the hill or something. And, you know, when you're playing the multiple-time world champions, you really don't want to poke the bear because the bear may wake up. And, you know, not that we really needed, uh, we needed additional motivation, but that kind of raised our eyebrows. And at that point, we, uh, you know, we were still a very good team, a formidable team. And, um, yeah, we took care of business in that 2000 World Series. You crushed the Padres in 98, the Braves in 99, the Mets in 2000. And then by 01, a lot of the core starting to age and some of the guys will end up retiring after the season. And yet you guys summon it yet again, 95 wins and back into the playoffs having won the AL East. But right before you get to the playoffs is when September 11th happens. And it being the 22nd anniversary of 9-11, we wanted to chat with you about that experience. What do you remember from that day? And of course, just, you know, what it was like to be in the city in New York city at that time. Yeah. Um, you know, to tell you the truth, it was a, uh, it was a beautiful morning. Um, I was living in up in, uh, in, in Northern New Jersey, uh, a cold front, cold front had just come through it had blown out all the humidity. It was absolutely beautiful. And, you know, my wife and I were just, sitting at home the kids were at school and uh you know just waiting to go to the ballpark and then she got a phone call from a friend of hers that there was something going on so we turned on the news and you know we saw the the, the plane hit the second tower and you know we were just in shock we didn't you don't how do you react in in stuff like you know this is you know this is horror movie stuff so uh you know the first thing we did was we went and got our kids out of school why? Because we just wanted to be together, and uh, it, it, it was a it was a it was a crazy time because we didn't know exactly what was going to go on. I think we took eleven days off of baseball, and to tell you the truth, we didn't know if we were going to play. We we didn't know what the right thing was to do. Uh, and you know, when when Major League Baseball, we have we had some meetings, we had some phone calls. And when they decided to come back, I think it was 11 days later, um, 
we knew, you know, so they kind of did introductions. They did a moment of silence. And I think we started back, we started back in Chicago against the White Sox on the South side. And when we heard the response, we weren't even in New York, you know, the Mets, we just picked up our schedule right where we were on, on that day. Um, we didn't turn the schedule back. Those were games that were just gone. Uh, you knew exactly where we were supposed to be. You know, we were supposed to be part of the healing process. We were, we were entertainers now. Yes, we were baseball players. We were athletes, but our job was to help everyone get their mind off of, you know, the horrors of the world, at least for a few minutes, maybe for a couple hours. And the response from the fan bases across Major League Baseball, across the nation, it, they were absolutely remarkable. And we knew at that point that's exactly where we needed to be. We needed to be on the field to try and help the healing process, to try and, and, and give, give just a little bit of a break, maybe a little bit of happiness in a world that had just been turned upside down. I remember thinking as a New Yorker, this tragedy was all around us. You, you couldn't help but just feel it from a very intimate place because people were passing away. Um, you know, people that you knew, neighbors, family members, you know, friends, colleagues. You saw the funeral processions. You saw the ambulances. You saw the smoke still rising from from ground zero, wherever you were in the Tri-State area. And then going to a ball game when when game started up I thought it was it was hard to know whether to cheer or not was it okay to not be mourning I can't imagine what it was like to compete at that level you guys have to be on such a high focus was it weird going to the ballpark and thinking like we've got to care about winning a baseball game um maybe right at the beginning because like I said we didn't know if that was the right thing to do and looking back on it it was but in a situation like that, what's right and wrong? I mean, no one had ever been through anything like this. And, and you, we, like I said, I mean, there was talk about canceling the rest of the baseball season. But I think, you know, being Americans uh, and the camaraderie that that actually caused. I mean, you want to talk about bringing a nation together. My goodness. That's exactly what happened. Um, you know, once you got back into it, you got back into competition uh, people start, you know, they started the cleanup. They, you know, it, 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 you could tell, okay, it's time to, we're not going to let this knock us down. They're, they're, they're not going to beat us, uh, by, by having a, a, a terror situation like this. No, we're Americans. We're going to stand up. We're going to stand next to each other. And, um, that's kind of what happened. So, you know, once we got back into the flow, once we, you, you know, you started playing a couple games, really after the first game, yeah, you're still remembering because even when we were away from the ballpark, we were going through the same thing everybody else was. I mean, we knew people that had passed. Um, if we didn't know people directly, we, you know, the chain was not very long till you got to someone that uh, that did know, and 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 your heart went out to them. You know, and it's just one of those things that, you know, once we got back on the field, if you remember, even across the nation, even for teams that didn't, that weren't in the playoffs, that weren't not, not even in New York, you know, you looked at it and, and it was it, the, the outcry that we saw, the emotion that we saw, the passion that we saw for baseball may have never been higher. 
just simply because it gave the, all the fans across the nation, all the people across the nation, an outlet to let go of their emotions because it, you know, there was such an emotional time in this country. It's exactly right. And when Piazza hits the home run against the Braves, it was like every Mets fan felt in New York. Yes. Yeah. This is a moment to finally, like you said, give some of those emotions that you've been holding in, you give it some voice and kind of exhale. And then for you guys, you go on this amazing run and it does not seem like you are a charm. The Yankees team, because you start the playoffs down Oh, two, against the A's and now you've got it you've lost the first two at Yankee Stadium have to go to Oakland for game three and it's like wow the upstart A's they've got the dynasty on the ropes and this is going to be it and then one nothing seventh inning and Jeter makes the flip play and it just seems to switch everything what do you remember about Jeter's moment you know, it was such a frustrating series because, you know, the A's were good. Yeah, they were young. You know, they had Giambi at first base. And he was destroying the baseball. It was just one of those times that, uh, you know, we were trying to grind it out. We were probably trying too hard. That was probably the the, the problem. Um, but we just could not score a whole lot of runs against those guys. And Mike Lucino was dealing that game. I mean, he was... And, you know, we had the slight lead, you know, okay, if we can win this game, we can get on a roll, um, you know, and, and then Derek did well, what Derek does, you know, that was a situation, it was a situation that probably only came up once or twice, maybe three times in the year. And you, you guys know the story that him and Joe Torrey in spring training had said, you know, a ball in the right field corner, just kind of migrate to the middle of the field. You never know what's going to happen. Shortstop's not really doing anything at that time. He sees the overthrow from Shane Spencer and 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 makes the incredible play. And and that was really something, you know, through this long run that we had, you know, like a to go through it, you know, three World Series in a row, winning four of five, going five of six. Um, it wasn't like it was a cakewalk all the time. We had our trials and tribulations. We had our tough times. We had teams that pushed us. Um, but, you know, we had such a good core group of guys that believed in each other. You know, it's one thing to go into a situation and say, okay, I believe in myself to get this job done. I can make this pitch. I can get this base hit. That's not what makes a good team. What makes a good team is when you can trust the guy standing next to you and know that he can do it if you don't. And that actually takes pressure off yourself. That allows you to go ahead and, and, and relax. And a lot of times you're going to perform better in that situation. That's, that's really what happened. It was just one of those crazy runs that you look back and to tell you the truth, even though I lived through it, you know, every pitch, every inning, every game, every year, you still look back at it and go, did, did all that really happen? You know, because now, now being, being, you know, 25 years from the, the 1998 team, you know, I'm just a fan of it now also. That, series is wild because the A's have all of that great young pitching talent. They threw Mulder out in game one, shut you guys down. Hudson in game two, they won 2-0. In game three, they had Zito. It's one nothing, And then the Jeter flip play kills that rally that they could have taken the lead or at least gotten a run on the board. You guys end up winning one nothing. So now you have one on the board. You win game four in Oakland as well in a blowout. And then it's game five back at Yankee Stadium. And it starts to feel like, wow, New York 
the rebound after 9-11. This is one month after the towers. So <clears throat> it's still right. so raw. It is still so raw. And yet here's kind of this magical Yankee run starting to take place. So the flip play happens. Game five, back in the in the house that Ruth built, you guys win that game. Okay, now you're on to the ALCS where you take on a 116-win Mariners team. Yeah. Set the modern record for wins. It's like, well, now, you know, the old guys finally met their match, and it was the opposite. You guys were the aggressors in that series. Going into the series, did you feel like, hey, we, we kind of got the we got the mojo back? I think so. I mean, I think the momentum after coming back from 2-0, I think that the momentum had definitely, I don't want to say switch because they had a lot of momentum also. Uh, but it was one of those things that, you know, the snowball started rolling down the hill and you're just simply not going to stop it. We took care of business pretty good in that series. Um, we knew that they were a good team, but it, that was one of those situations that at that point, once we got by, by Oakland, we won the three straight to win that series. Uh, yeah, we were uh, we were a team of destiny. So you guys end up getting the, the Mariners, knock them out in five, and uh, now you're on to the World Series. Wow, the Yankees are back in the World Series. But here is a very formidable team themselves, the Diamondbacks. They have this great, Two-headed monster at the top of the rotation in Schilling and Randy Johnson. You guys have to start on the road in Arizona. You end up losing both of those games. 9-1 in game one, 4-0-9-2. You've mustered one run in two games against those two guys. And it's like, wow, again, the Yankees, the hopes are flickering. And then you come back to the Bronx, and again, it's like the magic. It's 2001. It's a month and a half now after the Towers. People are still trying to, you know, process all their feelings, but it's just like, oh my God, the Yankees are representing everything. And at that point in time, you guys have become a national favorite. Everybody in the country was rooting for you because you represented New York and the rebirth and what the country just gone through. Those three games in the Bronx are all outrageous. 2-1 against the Diamondbacks in a winning game three, 4-3 and 10 in game four, 3-2 and 12. That's the Mr. November game for Derek Jeter that just every night is like, how are they going to win this night? What do you remember from that three game set where you took the lead of the, in the old one world series? It was, it was, it was crazy. I mean, I, it, it, I know that's not a strong enough word, but you know, you, you said it that we became, we became, you know, ever the, the nation's favorite team, maybe for the first time ever and maybe never again. Because you know the Bronx Bombers, you know we were always the evil, evil empire. You know it was, you know you go back, it, it, you know the Bronx are burning back in the seventies and eighties. I mean it was, it was, uh, you know we were always the the team that you know the big payroll, the big egos, the big city, you know love to hate. And you know listen, teams love to have us come into their uh, come into their cities because we packed the ballparks every place we went. The all parks were full. Most of the time, they were to boo us. Now there were a lot of Yankees <laughs> out there also, but that's fine. You know, that's that's you voicing your opinion, and that's that's what being an American is all about. And you know, you gotta love the passion. But those games were absolutely incredible. The home runs, you know, looking back on it now, knowing what's happened and being so far away from it again, uh, you had to feel for Bong Young Kim. You know, he was the one that was giving up all the home runs. And he was never really the same after that. 
it, it was, uh, you know, walk off home runs, game tying home runs, lefties, righties. It didn't matter. Uh, just an absolutely remarkable, uh, turn of events to win those three games and tell you the truth after we won those three games we felt like okay we got this we got this we go back to arizona up three two all the momentum is on our side uh but it wasn't meant to be the storybook ending well it didn't end the way everybody wanted it to it was wild those three games. I mean, there is the there's the Tino home run, there's the Jeter home run, there's huge hits by Brocious, et cetera. It's just like, yeah, there's just no way that these guys can be denied. And then you have two chances to wrap it up in Phoenix, and unfortunately you couldn't do so. The game six that got away from you guys, and then game seven was Luis Gonzalez's bloop. And again, Mariano's coming in, you figure, okay, this is over, they're gonna win this magical world series. As you said. Yankees have become a sympathetic figure, which they had never been in ever. maybe the history, <laughs> as you said. Yeah. And you guys were America's team. I wonder how you remember this. Do you remember that season fondly, or is it heartbreaking because you guys didn't finish the job like your other titles? I think you could say both. I mean, obviously, it did not end the way we wanted it to. And you know what? Maybe, maybe everyone cheering for the New York Yankees wasn't meant to be. That's why maybe we did, we didn't win. <laughs> that's not how it's supposed to be. The Yankees are always the bad guys, and that's fine. You know that putting on the pen strikes, but yeah, you still look at it fondly. I mean, it's still one of the most incredible World Series uh, we've ever had, and I was blessed enough to play in in many. Um, and, and, you know, Randy Johnson coming back on no rest the next day after pitching game six, um, you know, you could see the guys, you know, him come open the bullpen door, him coming out, and you could almost just see us deflate a little bit. Even though he had absolutely nothing, he was still Randy Johnson. And, um, you know, it was, it, it, was, it was crazy. It was crazy that we weren't able to, and, and of all people, you know, who, lo- who knows when the last time Mo had blown a save? He had been so good, you know, uh, unanimous Hall of Famer and deserved it. Uh, there's been a lot of guys that probably deserved it, but Mo was definitely one of those. Uh, and, and you know, he was also one of our best fielders on the team. You know, he played center field. I know, I know later in his career they did a lot of talk about how good of a center fielder he was, how he ran around the outfield. That's how he did his conditioning. He ended up hurting his knee right at the end of the, uh, at the end of his career. Uh, he was one of the best athletes we had on the team, and he fielded the ball on the pitcher's mound. You know, he was like a shortstop, and he had made that play so many different times. He was always so calm, cool, and collected, but. Footwork wasn't quite right. Grip wasn't quite right. Um, you know, if, if everything happens the way it happened, you know, hundreds of times in the past, uh, Gonzalez doesn't even come up to bat. The game is over. But it wasn't meant to be. It doesn't take away from from anything that we did. It doesn't definitely, you know, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they, we made them earn it. That's for sure. Um, but, yeah, it was just one of those things that it, you know, the storybook ending – uh, just wasn't quite there. It's such a special role that you hold in American sports lore, and specifically New York sports lore. Those Yankee teams are so beloved. You were such an important part of a bullpen that was consistently one of the best in baseball, if not the best. So many high-leverage situations you got into. 
especially at the old stadium in the Bronx in October, all those moments. And, you know, you got to be part of three championships and multiple runs of the World Series as well. You, you got to feel, and then coming back for Old Timers Day, like what a charmed life for the timing for you to have been part of such sure. a remarkable piece of, of baseball history. Yeah, I mean, blessed way more than I ever deserved. That's for sure. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, again, I look back on it and, you know, I know when I went through it, you know, a lot of the stuff that I remember, like I said before, it's not really games. It's, it's, it's clubhouse. It's hanging out, you know, shagging fly balls and BP. It's, it's going to lunch with the guys and, and just the camaraderie. Uh, but you know, to, to, to go back and, and, and really look and, and remember each individual situation um, is, is, is really cool. And it's something that, that, uh, that I'll continue to do. And cause I hadn't really done it. You know, I was always, you know, when Derek said in his hall of fame speech, one of the problems he had, he wished he could have been in the moment and remember, you know, kind of remember what was going on. I was the same way. I wasn't about, you know, what was going on. We are, what's how, ha what happens next? And even once I retired, it was the same thing. Okay, let's let's figure out what you know. What am I going to do for the rest of my life? Uh, whether it's broadcasting, whether it's coaching, whether what, whatever you know, let's see what's going on. Let's keep moving forward. Let's keep pushing. But it's also kind of cool to be able to step back and look and and remember exactly what went on, and you know the emotions and the feelings we had at those times, and and be able to 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 enjoy them, even if I really couldn't do it at the moment. I played with Jay Bell with the, with the Mets. Um, and Jay was one of the, he's a baseball lifer. You know, Jay, you know, even at the end of his career, he's getting at the, he was, he was beating the clubhouse guys at the, to the ballpark. And, uh, he had walked up to me one time and he goes, did you, did you believe what's, what's happened? And I had played against Jay when he was a pirate, when I was Atlanta brave and we had gone back and forth and he actually had come up with come up to me, um, late in that series in 2001 and, you know, just passing on the field, he goes, can you believe this world? I had a tough time. remember what was going on because I was wow. focused on what was going on now. And, but now afterwards to take a step back and, and, and look and see exactly what happened and kind of reminisce and, and kind of enjoy and go through the emotions again. That was something that we did at Old Timer State. They did a great video tribute on the board, and I didn't pull it here, but I came, I came close just remembering <laughs> remembering what went on, and that, that that was really us doing it. Yeah, it's an amazing uh, slice of baseball history, Yankees history, New York history, and it's um, American history, really, uh, in in general with nine eleven and the two thousand one series. So. Really cool that, that you can stop on by. For those that want to relive some of Old Timers Day Yankee fans, Believe in the Bronx podcast with Pete Caldera and Mike Stan. They've got an episode coming out from Yankee Stadium where they recorded it for Old Timers Day. So that's coming out all places that you get your podcast, Believe in the Bronx pod. And you kind of relive the the emotions there about what's going on in the moment, right? Oh, yeah. It was it was a blast. It was a blast. And uh, we didn't get to do it out on the field, unfortunately. The weather, the weather co cooperated with us through the ceremony, but once the ceremony was over, that's when the heavens opened up, and right. I think they had about a two-hour rain, <laughs> about two-hour rain delay after the ceremony. So, um, yeah, it, it was um, it was just so special going back. 
I mean, I, you know, the the new ballpark is absolutely beautiful. It's spectacular. I've only this is only the second time I've been I've been there, and I think the first time was right right after it opened. It was in the off season, so it wasn't even uh, it wasn't even in season. Um, do miss the old park though. Yeah, it was kind of ratty. It was, but it it uh, it was it was special in its own way. But the new ballpark is special too. Had the soul, the old Bronx, the yeah, old ballpark, the just soul. Had the ghost, had the ghost. Check it out. The Believe in the Bronx podcast hosted by Mike Stanton and Pete Caldera is available all places that you get your pods. Excellent career that Mike had and three World Series championships to his name with the New York Yankees. Mike, this is great. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Thanks to Mike Stanton for his time here with the New York Accent crew. And it's interesting to hear him talk about wishing he was more in the moment and Jay Bell, a guy that was more in the moment. And I just think, you know, we all have this propensity specifically today to be a step ahead. You know, everything is moving faster. Our cell phones are in front of us. And so we've always got our nose down looking into something like email or social media or updating the, the internet or the weather or whatever on all of our apps, et cetera. But you know, even back then, it, it's it's always hard to live in the moment and not be focused on the next thing. But I, I think for Mike, you know, talking about how maybe he wishes he were a little bit more like that, it's got to be really hard to be an athlete and to be in the moment because you're so wired to just move into the next day, the next at bat, the next whatever that that battle is, whatever that next challenge is, you just have to attack it. You know, for a baseball player, that game is done and then you're already on to the next day, the next game. You've got a game every single day for the most part. And if you're a starting pitcher, I mean, you're talking about the next at-bat. Even if you're a relief pitcher, it's the next at-bat, it's the next inning, it's the next pitch. So athletes more than anybody and maybe baseball players more than any other athlete are just so wired to just be thinking about the next instead of ever having a moment to exhale and, and think about the moment, be in the moment. So, you know, not surprising that Stanton amongst other baseball players or athletes just would have a hard time with that. Normal humans do, but certainly a baseball player does as well. I, I don't think you had to be a Yankees fan to really appreciate that run in 2001. Out of all of them, it, it felt like they were they were supposed to win the World Series that year. Of all the years they were supposed to because of that feeling that the entire city had and I think the country did as well of just the Yankees representing a city in New York that had just been emotionally carved up, unfortunately, for so many reasons, as we all know, in the hangover of all the 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 tragedy and the events of September the 11th that it was kind of all wrapped up into that Yankees run of the fact that they seemed down so many times but always rose up to to see another day was really symbolic in a beautiful way for New York and I think for the country as a whole and you never try to attach too much importance to something like sports but there was there was an element of the 01 Yankees that seemed so perfectly encapsulating what New York was trying to do. And that was just kind of keep picking itself up over and over and over again, despite the odds being stacked against them. 
So even though I grew up a Mets fan, I, I certainly appreciated the 2001 Yankees run. And I think it was really important for a lot of New Yorkers just to see a team a couple months later that just refused to give up and just seemed to have the heart of a champion. And they would just, they refused. And the fact that Luis Gonzalez's looper ended up beating them in such an un-Yankee fashion, Mariano blowing a, a save like that, just seems... You know, like it wasn't really the fitting end. It wasn't the appropriate end. It was the official end, but it wasn't the appropriate end to what that run was all about. But either way, they created magic, no matter if they won the championship or not that year. Thanks so much to Mike Stan for joining us on this episode of New York Accent. I'm Damon Amendolara, DA. You can follow me on Twitter at DA on CBS or on Instagram at Damon Amendo. We keep you updated on the new episodes coming your way and how to get them so you can follow me on social media. You can also catch me weekday mornings on CBS Sports Radio. Thanks to executive producer Bryce Gelman. We will see you next week for another episode of New York Accent. This is an original Odyssey podcast.